Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Daily Churn. Today is going to be a special episode focused just on employer direct deposits. And it's an episode I've been wanting to do for a while because the topic of employer direct deposits comes up and gets asked quite often because, you know, with a lot of these bank bonuses, employer direct deposits are a requirement in order to qualify for the bonus. And it can be a pretty annoying requirement to meet, even if you are fully employed with an employer that's paying you employer direct deposit. Because if you're with a smaller employer, I'm sure you know it can be a pretty manual process to update your direct deposit information. Sometimes you have to submit a paper form or you have to contact someone in HR. And then with some of the bigger companies, they'll let you change your bank account info sometimes pretty easily online. But then not all of these companies will let you split that payroll. So if you're going after multiple bonuses, you have to pick and choose which bank account your payroll gets routed to. But even beyond that, let's say your company is totally flexible. You can set up as many different accounts as you want to split your payroll into. You still have some bank bonuses that require really high thresholds of employer payroll. For example, I think SoFi wants $5,000 worth of employer payroll and your paycheck may not be that high. Or another pretty common scenario is you work for yourself and you know you receive money from contractors and vendors for your business and you do pay yourself, but you're not necessarily using a formal payroll service to do that. However, there are quite a number of services out there you can use, some being paid, some being free, that you can sign up for and essentially help you generate employer payroll to varying degrees of success. So the goal of this episode is to sort of just run you guys through some of the services that I know about and that I've used, and I guess just share some of my data points on what works and what doesn't, maybe the advantages of one versus another. And, you know, hopefully you guys have some ones that I haven't heard of before that you can share as well in the comments. But yeah, let's start with some of the paid services, because I did an episode way back in the day, I think almost a year ago on Square and Gusto, which are two payroll providers that you can use for employer payroll. And since that episode, there's been quite a few developments and some updates and stuff. And so that episode is a little outdated now. And also there's a lot more services now available than when I did that episode. So this is sort of a uh, 2022 refresher, I think, that goes beyond just the scope of Square. But let's start with Square, which is the one that I covered in episode two. So with Square being a payroll provider service, like if you go to I think it's squareup.com. You'll see that it's literally a, a sub-company of Square that provides payroll processing services. So the advantage of that is that if for whatever reason, when you process payroll through Square and let's say your small credit union doesn't automatically recognize Square payroll as employer payroll, you can very justifiably reach out and contact them and say, hey, my employer uses Square Up payroll services and it should qualify for employer payroll. So that's really the biggest advantage of using Square and a lot of these paid services is that you can go in and justify later because, you know, the general rule is that you don't call in and try and justify why your ally bank transfer should have qualified for employer payroll. But if you actually use the payroll service, you absolutely can and should follow up. And yeah, it's a very reliable way to get your bonus. The downside with Square is that it does cost money. So it's $5 per contractor per month. And with a single contractor, you can get about four payments out per month because it takes Square 
about a week to process one payment, and you can't initiate another payment to a different bank account until that first payment has finished. And for the months where you don't process any employer payroll, you're not charged anything. Then when the bank receives your Square payroll, it shows up literally as Square payroll. And for the most part, I'd say 90% of banks will automatically treat that as employer payroll. The times where I think it gets missed is I've had one bank that thought Square payroll was Square, like the merchant processing thing, which obviously wouldn't qualify. And I've had to reach out and say, hey, Square payroll is a different service to Square merchant services. However, there have been some data points from folks who listened to episode two and tried to sign up and ran into issues where their account was then shut down. So I personally haven't had any issues with Square payments, like my account's been active for over a year. I use it pretty heavily, but I think my guess for why accounts do get shut down pretty soon after signing up is that Square initially after sign up will do some basic validation on your account. And so the safest route would be to sign up with the real business, with your EIN, and fill out all that info, add yourself in as a contractor with your real name, with your real social security number, your real address, all of that good stuff, and send yourself $25, $50. You know, you don't want to make it so small that someone sees it and is like, why are you paying this person $1? And also don't make it so big where it's like $1,000 and if someone sees it and they flag you for some other reason, now your $1,000 is stuck in limbo somewhere and you have to follow up with Square, who may have now shut down your account. Because that is actually a pretty consistent approach that a lot of these companies take, is that they review your first transfer. And that's when you're most likely to get flagged and have your account closed. So if you can make it past the first payment, usually it's smooth sailing from there. The other concern people often have, especially with a service like Square, is a worry over how taxes are handled. Square now, when you sign up, requires you to fill out a form, which essentially authorizes Square to file tax forms on your behalf. So you can no longer sign up for Square without completing and submitting this form. You used to be able to, now you have to fill out this form. And this form is scary for a lot of people because it essentially says that Square can send in tax forms on your behalf. And the concern there is obviously, well, I don't want to be accidentally taxed or owe taxes on this money that I am transferring to myself that shouldn't be taxed. Luckily, the good news on that front, which let me just preface this first by saying that I'm not a tax advisor or an accountant. But I have been using Square for almost two years and I've gone pretty deep into their help center and their articles. And I'll post a link to this on the dailychurnpodcast.com so you can see this article for yourself and sort of make your own judgment. But there is a specific help article about what forms Square will send out on your behalf. And they specifically call out the fact that if you uncheck the checkbox that says automatically file form 1099-NEC, if you uncheck that checkbox, that form will not be sent out. And for contractor payments, the 1099-NEC is the one and only form that gets reported to the IRS. So if you uncheck that checkbox in Square, that form does not get sent and no other forms get sent because for contractors, that is the only form. Now, if you set up Square and you paid W-2 workers, 
then there are other forms that Square will send out. With W2, there's like quarterly reports, I think the 940 or the 941 that Square will help you send. There's annual reports that Square will help you send. I don't know if you can turn those off, but you shouldn't be setting up W2 employees. You should be setting up contractors. And for contractors, it is just that one form, which then brings up the subsequent question I think folks have, which is that, okay, Square's not sending the forms, but am I still liable for the $1,000 that I paid? And the short and simple answer is no, you're good. You're on very sound tax footing by not filing this form. You would be liable if you were actually paying a contractor and you sent them $1,000 and this person worked for you. But in your scenario, you're only using Square for their capability to essentially move money from one of your accounts into another account. No one was actually being paid for any goods or services. And so, in fact, it's a good thing that you're able to turn off these forms because filing a 1099-NEC on your behalf would be bad because you're not paying contractors and you're not liable for the money. So from a tax perspective, you simply just moved your own money from one account to another account. So everything is by the books on that front. But I think what trips a lot of people up is that form that you see during signup where it says that Square is going to file forms on your behalf. And so the key really is turning off those forms so that nothing does get filed. But you do have to submit that authorization initially in order to make it into the flow where you can actually then set up contractors and all that good stuff. All right. So next up on the paid list, we have Chase. And I haven't really seen anyone talk about Chase's uh, ACH payment service. But I only know about it because I previously had like a business with Chase with a business bank account. And one of the services that you can add on with Chase for $25 a month is the Chase ACH payment services. And what that is, is essentially it's like a square. So you can add in vendors and contractors and employees just by using their name and their bank account and routing number. And you can send payments via ACH to these people. And for $25 a month, you can send up to 25 of these payments. And I think after that, it's like 25 cents each for each additional payment that you make. And this is different than just adding like an external account to your like regular Chase direct deposit page where you can just, you know, add multiple of your accounts because all of those accounts in theory should be owned by you when you do it. And they do like a trial deposit. But the Chase ACH payment services is very different from that because there are no trial deposits. These are going to accounts that you don't own and they're all being sent in the name of your business. So whatever your business name is at Chase is what shows up as the billing descriptor on the recipient bank. So if your company was the Daily Churn LLC, it will show up as the Daily Churn LLC to whoever you're transferring to. So pretty much anyone with a Chase business account can pay $25 and add this service. And the biggest advantage of Chase ACH payment services is that it's really easy to use and manage at volume. Like I used to use this service to manage a few hundred different people that we were paying. And I was doing probably 50 plus ACH payments per month through Chase. And it was all very, very easy to do and manage. I would say just way easier to use than even Square Payroll because with Chase, you can go in and add each new bank as a new contractor and you can have hundreds of these contractors. And so it gives you that ability to send out multiple payments to multiple contractors at the same time in one go because Chase isn't 
charging you per contractor. It's a flat $25 fee for 25 transactions each month. The other nice thing with Chase ACH payments is that it very much is just a payments service. There's no like payroll side tacked onto it. So there's no tax forms. They're not trying to automatically file anything for you. It's completely disconnected from the tax and payroll side of things. It's purely just an ACH payment service. And that's a good thing for churning because you're not actually trying to tie it with any payroll. You are just trying to transfer money between your various accounts. The downside with Chase, though, is that it is expensive. It's $25 a month, which is a lot more than Square. And that's the reason why I prefer to use Square over Chase, because I'm not doing like 10, 20 bank bonuses every month. Although recently I sort of have been, but that isn't my end goal. But if I was just mainly doing bank bonuses and that was like my side hustle or my job and I was doing, you know, 20, 30 different bank bonuses each month, I would probably use Chase and just pay that $25 because at that point Square would be kind of expensive and some of these free services that we'll cover in a bit are not that reliable and, and a little bit janky at times. The other potential downside with Chase is that it may not track automatically. So depending on what your business name is or how the whitelist at a credit union is processing Chase ACH payments, it may or may not track automatically. Now, if your business just happens to have the word payroll in it, like Joe's payroll service, then it probably will have a better success rate of tracking automatically than, you know, Tim and Bob's party store. But that said, Chase, in theory, should be justifiable because it is a real business. And so in theory, you should be able to contact the bank. It would probably take a little bit more work than using Square because with Square, you can just tell them, hey, just Google Square Payroll and they'll see that Square Payroll is a payroll provider. It may be more challenging or more work to try and explain that Tim and Bob's party store is your employer. So those are some of the potential downsides of using Chase, but I think it's definitely worth at least trying out if you are tackling a lot of bank bonuses and $25 a month is not that big of a deal to you. But if you are looking for something on the cheaper side, there is Wise, which used to be TransferWise. Now it's just Wise, W-I-S-E. And Wise is quite cheap, but not totally free. It's sort of a, what most people use Wise for is a international transfer. So if you're in the US and you need to send money to someone in Europe, you can use Wise to just enter their European bank details and it will send your $100 USD through their exchange rate and they'll give you a pretty decent exchange rate actually and then tack on a small transfer fee and the person in Europe now receives like 90 euros and it's one of the better services for doing that but as with all things churning someone has figured out that you can actually just use WISE to send USD to USD transfers like local currency transfers and it's like sort of supported on WISE. It's not really advertised that they do that. And it's kind of even hard to get to, to do a USD to USD transfer, but it is possible. And there are two main methods of doing it. One being like more time consuming to set up, but ends up being cheaper in the long run. And the other method is like easier. You can just immediately do it, but it ends up being more expensive. And so I've seen data points of people doing it both ways. So starting with the easy option, which is just to download the WISE app. And you specifically have to download the app because only the app will initially let you do 
a local transfer, a USD to USD transfer. So this doesn't show up on the web portal when you first sign up. But if you download the app, you'll see it immediately. Like when you go to click the send button, it'll default to international, but you can switch it to local. And now you can send USD to another USD bank account. The downside of doing it this way, even though it's really easy, is that it costs more. So Wise charges you 0.16%, so like a tenth of a percent, plus a 72 cent flat fee. So what that translates to, let's say you're transferring um, $1,000, it would end up being $2.32 to send $1,000 in USD. If you were trying to meet that SoFi requirement and you were sending $5,000, it ends up being $8.72 to send $5,000 because it's 0.16% of $5,000, which is $8 plus that 72 cent flat transfer fee. So that obviously kind of sucks because you're paying almost $9 to make one payment where Square is only $5 a month and you can make multiple payments. But the advantage of using WISE is that anyone can use it. You don't have to go through the whole Square sign-up process with the business and all that stuff. Anyone can sign up for a WISE account. And the key benefit is that they give you a reference note field where you can type in like, I think, 10 characters or so worth of a note. And that ends up showing in the billing descriptor. So you can type things in there like payroll or dark deposit. However, unlike some of these paid options like Square and the Chase ACH payments, you really have no way to justify it if the bank decides to not treat it as an employer payroll. So one thing I think that happened recently is SoFi used to treat it as employer payroll. As of a few weeks ago, I think the latest data points are that they no longer treat the WISE transfer as employer payroll. And so when they make that switch, you have no way to then contact SoFi and get them to like manually credit you for a WISE transfer. And so you really are just SOL. And, you know, that's sort of the risk of using services likewise. And we'll see with some of these free services, you'll run into the same kinds of issues. But if you're willing to accept the risk and you're looking at DOC and there's data points that people have used WISE and it worked for them, WISE can still be a good option, but I would not recommend using the app and paying like $9 for a $5,000 transfer. So the second method that will get you way cheaper transfers on WISE, which consumes a bit more time upfront to set it up this way, but is way cheaper in the long run, is to actually set up a WISE bank account. So again, WISE does not make this easy or intuitive to do at all, but it is possible. You just have to know kind of where to look. So you'll need to sign up for WISE on like Chrome, like in a web browser and go into your account and you can click manage your account and then click account details. And when you click account details, it'll let you actually create a WISE bank account because when you sign up for WISE, they don't give you a bank account. WISE is just moving money from one account to another, similar to how Square Payroll works. But you can actually ask WISE to give you account details of a bank account that you own that you can then deposit money into. And so signing up for WISE bank account, you'll go through the full KYC process that you see at any bank. You know, you'll need to provide your social security number, photos of your driver's license. I had to give him a selfie as well. So the whole thing and where a lot of people get tripped up is during that process where you're setting up the bank account, they'll ask that you fund this bank account with $20, which is also a pretty common thing with bank accounts anywhere as they want you to make that initial deposit. 
The thing with Wise though, and I don't know if this is a new thing, but when I was setting up the accounts and trying to deposit the $20, it would not let me deposit the $20 in $20 USD. Like I had to send in the $20 from a different currency. If I selected that I was going to send in $20 US dollars, I got an error message that says, sorry, you can't send between these currencies right now. And I'm assuming it's because I'm trying to send $20 of USD into my account, which is a USD account. Like they specifically wanted me to send from a foreign currency into my USD account. And I guess that sort of makes sense because the whole point of WISE is that they are fundamentally an international payments transfer service, the keyword being international. And so I think some people may bail at that step because if you select, okay, well, I'll just send in 20 euros then to get my $20 deposit, they'll make you add a European bank account with European bank details, which obviously you probably don't have. So luckily I figured out that there's a button that you can click that says, I'll finish it later. So you set up saying that you're going to send 20 euros into your bank account that will be converted into USD and they'll show you the confirmation page. And instead of like submitting it, you can say, I'll finish it later. And that will let you get through the setup process so that now you're done creating your USD bank account. And when you go to your new account, you can see this pending 20 euro transfer and just cancel it. Then after you cancel it, you can add a new transfer. And now when you add this new transfer outside of the setup flow, you're able to now do a $20 USD transfer into your USD account. And you'll want to do this because they want to see $20 deposited into this account. But now you're actually able to do it without getting hit with an error message. You'll be able to add your bank via played and you transfer in your $20. And then you have to wait a couple of days while they verify your account. And after a couple of days, you should have $20 in your Wise account if you didn't mess up anything in your verification. So in my case, I made a typo in my birth date that didn't match my driver's license and I had to like email them back again, but they were pretty quick about it. And still the whole process only took a couple of days for verification. And after verification, they will send you your WISE bank account details with a routing number and account number. But just one thing to keep in mind when you're funding that $20 initially is that you have to do it through WISE. Like the way you have to deposit that $20 because you don't have your account info yet is you have to do it through WISE who essentially pulls that money from your other accounts. And when you do it through WISE, it is not free. So WISE will charge you that same 0.16% fee as the first method. So when you pull in that $20, it's going to cost you an extra three cents, but you have no choice. It's the only way you can do it initially because you aren't given your WISE account number and routing number until after they've approved you for an account, which they won't do if you don't deposit your $20. All right, hopefully you're, you're still with me here because we're almost done. So now that you have your account details at WISE, you can now push money in from an external account. So you don't have to use WISE to pull money in. And the benefit of doing this is when you push money in, there's no fee involved. So you can use your Ally bank account, you add WISE into Ally and you use Ally to send $1,000. There's no fee charged. If instead you used WISE to pull $1,000 from Ally, you'll be hit with that 0.16% fee. So it's really important that you do it in the order where you're pushing money into WISE. 
Another cool thing that happens once you're given your WISE account number and routing number is that now you're able to do USD to USD transfers in the web app, whereas before you could only do it in their phone app. And when you do the USD to USD transfer, be mindful that there is two ways of doing it, which is one, you can let WISE send money from one of your accounts to another account. And you want to avoid that because that's the same as the app method where it will charge you that 0.16% plus the 72 cents because you're using WISE to move money from, let's say, Ally into Albert. The other option they'll give you is to transfer money from your WISE account balance. And so that's the method you want to use. So first you send money into WISE, however much money you need, and that's free. Then when you do a USD to USD transfer of your WISE account balance to, let's say, SoFi, the only fee that gets charged is a flat 51 cent fee. So instead of paying $8.72 to send $5,000 to SoFi from your Ally accounts using WISE, if you first transfer in the $5,000 into your WISE bank account, then send it to SoFi that way, you're only going to pay 51 cents, which is a huge difference compared to $8.72. So essentially, all of your transfers through WISE should be done this way and will cost you that flat 51 cent fee. So compared to the other options, 51 cents per transaction is pretty reasonable. I mean, you do have to go through the setup process, but there's a setup process associated with any of these, right? And 51 cents, that's like 10 transactions a month for five bucks which is pretty competitive even compared to Square. So yeah, at 51 cents, WISE is almost free, but there are just actually free options that you can use. So the, the first of these, which has been making the rounds lately, is Astra, A-S-T-R-A. I think it's Astra Finance, if you were to go to the, the website. And um, Astra has been popular because it is totally free. The thing with Astra, though, and you'll see when you go to the website or you download the app, is that it is very, very bare bones. Like it's a very basic app and their marketing is just terrible. Like if you go to the Astra website and maybe let me just go to it right now to see if they've updated it since since I visited. Nope, it's it's still the same crappy thing. So if you Google Astra Finance, the description of Astra Finance in Google search results is an API to fund customer accounts and add financial automation to your product. And then if you click it, it's like the automation platform for money movement is how they describe themselves. And it all makes it sound very much like this is an API service that you might use for your app to kind of integrate some kind of money movement in your app. And, you know, maybe that is their their primary market. But the thing is, Astra actually also has an app that consumers can use. And they don't mention it anywhere, really, that this exists. So kudos to the first person who discovered Astra and like ignored all of this marketing and was just like, hey, maybe I could try it for churning because that's that's pretty creative. But yeah, there is an app and it's not just for developers or APIs. It's actually an app that users can use and you can add in accounts that you own and transfer money between those accounts. The thing with the app, though, is that it is quite buggy. So when you sign up, you have to upload your driver's license. And I went in a verification loop like 10, 15 times where it would ask me to upload, I upload it, then it will tell me it was uploaded, then ask me to upload, I upload it, then it'll tell me it was uploaded, 
I just kept trying it over and over again in the course of a few days, and my verification was never approved. And eventually, I reached out to Astra because I discovered that Astra has a website with the little intercom chat bubble. And the guy that probably owns or runs Astra replied back, being like, "Hey, you can instead use the web portal to complete your verification and upload it there." And that's when I discovered there's an Astra web portal, which looks exactly like the app, but allows you to do additional things. Then once I was finally signed up, I tried to add my Chase account in Astra, and it didn't work. So I reached back out, being like, "Hey, is Chase not supported?" And he was like, "Oh, actually, tried in the web portal, and then it worked in the Astra web portal." And so it's definitely very much a in development kind of a project. And I have no idea how Astra even makes money because all of this is free, and it does feel like there's probably just one guy running it, coding it, supporting it. And、um, yeah, I mean, it sort of shows in the quality of the app. So the way it works is, after you've added, let's say, two accounts, you'll set up what they call a procedure, and the procedure is the automation that will send money from one of your accounts into another account. And similar to how Square and Wise and those services work, is that Astra will take money from one of your accounts into an Astra account and move it into your second account. And what you name that procedure, that automation procedure, is what will show up in the billing descriptor as Astra procedure name. But one of the downsides with this whole procedure thing is that the transfers are quite slow. Like it often takes over a week for money to move from one account into Astra, then out to the other account, and then initially someone is manually reviewing your procedures and approving them before they go through. And I think there's a limit to how much money you can send in a procedure. I can't remember if it was a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars. And so the whole thing is a little bit clunky. But you know, downsides aside, it is totally free to use, and it does work. Like a lot of people have been using Astra with some success. Although I think the latest data points I saw on SoFi is that Astra used to work and no longer works now. And so that is sort of the game, though, of using these、uh, free services. There's also Brex, which works very similar to Astra, but with Brex you need a business bank account, and like Astra, you're able to modify that billing descriptor name. And so Brex has worked well for for folks in the past. But the thing with Brex is that it used to be pretty difficult to get approved. Like I actually tried to get a Brex business bank account. Back when they were giving the hundred thousand Brex points, and a lot of people were getting approved, but also a lot of people were getting denied, and both of my real businesses were denied Brex accounts because my theory is I didn't have a website or domain name for those accounts, and Brex is very much focused on the web startup realm, and so not having those, I think, was a disqualifier for them, even though these were real small businesses that made money. Um, I was denied both times, so I never ended up getting a Brex account. And actually, the latest update on Brex is that they've completely stopped supporting small businesses. I think they're actually going through and shutting down accounts tied to small businesses that don't see much activity. And now they're focusing only on startups as their core customer base. So Brex, unless you're at a startup, it's probably not going to happen that you get approved. The thing with Brex, though, that was advantageous is that it would actually be easier to justify than, say, like an Astra, because with Brex, it is tied to a real business in the same way that, like Chase, you could do Chase ACH payments. 
Brex was essentially offering that ACH payment kind of a service for free for your business. So Brex would have been, I think, one of my top options, except I was never approved. And now I think it's almost impossible to get approved for. So yeah, sadly, I think the Brex one is mostly dead. But if you have a Brex account and you haven't been shut down, you probably already know how useful it is. Finally, we have Melio, which interestingly, I haven't seen mentioned anywhere, really. Uh, the way I stumbled across Melio, M-E-L-I-O, was it was randomly a, a Reddit ad when I was scrolling Reddit. There was an ad by Melio that was like, send payments for free. And that sort of caught my attention. And so I decided to give Melio a try. And like the TLDR with Melio is that they're sort of like a middleman payments management company. So similar to Square and Wise, what they do is they'll move money between different accounts. Their purpose is that let's say you're a business and you want to pay multiple vendors and contractors. You'll be able to then go in as a business and set up one account. That's your business account then set up multiple vendors and contractors that you pay, and then use Melio to transfer money from the one account into these other vendor contractor accounts. And the benefit with Melio is that when you transfer money from one account to another account using ACH, it's totally free because they also let you transfer money from like your credit card to one of these vendors or contractors. And that costs money, which is, I think, how they make money is when you don't just use an ACH transfer. But for the purposes of churning, you would just use the ACH version, which is totally free. But where it gets confusing with Melio is that there's two flows that you can use when you sign up because they will ask you what type of company are you? Are you a business or an accounting firm? And initially, I went the accounting firm route because I was like, maybe I can just set myself up as an accountant and then set up multiple businesses and set up vendor payments and all that good stuff. But it's actually super confusing if you set yourself up as an accountant. So I won't go through all the details of why it's super confusing if you make yourself an accounting firm. But essentially, if you set yourself up as an accounting firm, you're going to have to go in and make companies. And these companies are going to have vendors. And you might be tempted to make multiple companies to pay each other. But that's not how Melio works. You're not actually having companies pay each other. One company will have multiple vendors and contractors. If you set up a second company, that company will have multiple vendors and contractors and they're unique to each company. And so as an accountant, you can then log in as different companies to manage that company specifically. And so that took me a long time to figure out that was what was happening. So I would probably just avoid that accounting route and actually go and set yourself up as a business because then you're at the business level and you don't get to switch to different companies. It's just you, your business, and the vendors and contractors that you're trying to pay. So when you set yourself up as a business, they'll ask you the regular things like business name, business location, industry, stuff like that. And what you'll do, Emilio, is you'll set up vendors to pay. A couple of things to keep in mind is do not use acronyms for the vendor. They don't want to see that you're paying ABC Inc., you'll get an email saying your transaction was denied and that you can't use nicknames or acronyms. You need to use real names only. And that's okay because in theory, you're just paying you or your P2. So it is a real person you're paying anyway. Then you'll set up your vendor's bank account and similar to Square and Chase and stuff, you'll just enter the vendor's name, routing number and account number. And sadly, there's also a memo field 
which I was hoping would translate into the billing descriptor, but it does not. So that memo is purely for your purposes, so doesn't really matter what you put in there. And at that point, for your first transfer, they'll actually start gathering some more detailed KYC info like your SSN and your EIN. And I actually made a, a pretty stupid mistake, which was my first transfer. I made it 10 cents because I was adding my SoFi accounts. I had like 37 cents in there. It was the only account that it would let me add because for whatever reason, Chase wasn't working on Played that day. So I added my SoFi and I tried to pay 10 cents to my wife. And everything goes through fine initially, but for at least your first transfer, Melio has someone manually look at that transfer. And a 10 cent Melio payment, they reviewed it, denied my transfer, and actually shut down my account. So my advice would be, for that first transfer at least, you're sending a reasonable amount of money, let's say $100, and maybe in the memo field, actually type in something like uh, gas reimbursement. And so that's, I think, how you get past that first check. And it's worth it to get past that check and not get shut down because I also have another Melio account where initially I did set myself up as an accountant and that was a huge headache in terms of just figuring out the UI. But once I figured out the UI, I was actually able to use Melio and I'm still using Melio and I think it is worth it. The data points I have on Melio from the accounts that I tested were actually quite positive. So the way the Melio descriptor ends up looking is just your company name plus invoices. So if your company was the daily churn, it would be the daily churn invoices is how it shows up on the other side. And I was doing a chase bonus and I couldn't get Ally or Astra to work to qualify for the chase bonus. They kept getting tagged as other. But then I used Melio and Melio was tagged as ACH credit. And a week later, I got my bonus. So it actually worked for Chase, whereas Ally and Astra did not work. There was also SoFi and SoFi worked with Melio. So SoFi classified the Melio transfer as direct deposit payer, which is what you want to see in order to qualify for the SoFi bonus. But Keep in mind, this was a few weeks, maybe a month ago, before SoFi went in and uh, blacklisted Astra and Wise. So I don't know if Melio also got cut. I haven't tried since then. But as of like a few weeks ago, Melio worked for me to qualify for SoFi. But again, similar to Astra, you're going to run into issues where if it doesn't work, you can't justify it. And unlike Astra with Melio, you can't really change the billing descriptor but Melio is also totally free and is a way nicer, more stable interface and company than Astra is. So sort of pros and cons, I think, there. So yeah, those are the services I tried. And I guess going back to that list, we've got Melio, Astra, and Brex for free ones. And then the paid ones, we've got Wise, Chase, and Square. And so I think each has their own pros and cons, depending on, you know, what kind of volume you're trying to do and how justifiable or not they are and how much they cost or if they're free. And I guess for me, I used to mainly use Square, which has been very reliable for me. But these days, because there are all these free options, I tend to try Melio or Astra first. Maybe Wise, if there were some like data points saying that Wise worked really well. And Square is always my go-to fallback where, you know, I'm not going to miss a bonus because Melio or Astra or Wise didn't work. I always have Square that I can use as like the last line of defense to make sure 
I get my $300 bonus, you know, and for $5 a month, I think it is very much worth it, especially since you can turn off those tax forms. And same with Chase. I mean, I think if I was doing bank bonuses full time, I would probably try using Chase for a bit because it is just so much easier. Like, I don't know if I emphasize this point enough during the episode, but Chase is by far the easiest platform to use in terms of doing these ACH payments. It's very much a nice, fast, simple interface to churn out volume. And so if I was doing bank bonuses full time, I would probably consider paying that $25 for Chase. And again, like Square, it is very justifiable. And Chase is also tax neutral. They do not send out any tax forms on your behalf. And they very much make it clear that, you know, you're responsible for your own taxes. So yeah, those are the options that I've tried. I'd love to hear if you guys have tried other ones that work well. Definitely leave a comment on the dailychurnpodcast.com if you have, or hit me up on Reddit. I'd love to hear about it. And, you know, maybe there could be like a part three to this episode in the future. All right, guys, that's it for today. Hopefully that was helpful and thanks for tuning in again. If you'd like to support the show, you can always head over to Spotify or Apple and leave a rating. On Apple, you can also leave a review. Really appreciate it when you guys do that and uh, I will catch you guys next time for the July recap. See ya.